the National Concert Hall is delighted to announce its new concert season for 24-25, featuring over 60 concerts by world-class artists. Enjoy the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra with Sir Simon Rattle, our very own National Symphony Orchestra and guests, opera favourites with Tara Erocht, cutting-edge music with Bryce Desner, family concerts and lots more. Your music, your National Concert Hall. Book now. Package discounts available. cnch.ie Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Kathy Sheridan. Today, we are talking about breast density. If you don't know what that means or why it's important, well, you're not alone. On her blog, Being Dense, which is a great title, Siobhan Freeney writes, Breast density is like a mammogram's dirty little secret. Half of women over 40 have no idea that their, quote, normal mammogram might not be normal at all. Since her own breast cancer diagnosis a few years ago and subsequent discovery that she herself has dense breast tissue, Siobhan has become a fierce patient advocate for breast density notification in breast cancer screening in Ireland. I'll be talking to Siobhan all about that later. But first, we want to tell you about an event that's happening this May Bank Holiday Monday called Move to Feel Good. It's being run by Romana Testaseca of Watermelon Fitness, who is raising much needed funds for Cooking for Freedom, a small charity which helps asylum seekers in direct provision buy food for themselves. It's going to be a mixture of fitness and yoga and an opportunity to come together and unwind after the long weekend, if you still need unwinding. We've had Rona in a couple of times before, so it was great to have her back on talking again to Roisin about this brilliant event. Romana, tell us all about uh, what you're up to at the moment. So I'm organising this event in collaboration with Mavis Ramazani, who is the founder of the amazing group Cooking for Freedom, which was born from a necessity to cook for these women to come together and cook together because they don't have the facilities and direct provision to cook for themselves. So through the funds that Mavis raised with these women and the sisterhood, as she calls it, she basically found a way to empower these women through this connection of food because food is a language that is universal, that they can all speak together. So it's a beautiful thing she's doing. And we are raising funds on the 3rd of May for an event on Zoom, which is going to be a workout and a yoga session led by me. I'm a personal trainer and a yoga teacher. And we have been developing over the weeks a beautiful group of these women who are still living in direct provision of a yoga course. And they will all be hopefully there for the night. So you'll get to meet them. So it's going to be a kind of an event that merges everybody together, brings everybody together. And it's going to be at 6 p.m. Irish time on the 3rd of May on Zoom. Tickets are 15 euro and all funds are going towards Cooking for Freedom to support and empower these women. 
So they have Cooking for Freedom. What a brilliant organisation. And we're going to have them on themselves to talk about it at a later date because we're planning something about direct provision. But uh, they have two kitchens that they can use to make the food. But what they're raising funds for now is the ingredients and being able to make really amazing stuff uh, with, with all the people that are in the group. Yes, so at the moment, they'll be raising that. At the moment, they can't get together physically and cook because of COVID. And of course, we all know the huge implications on our mental health from COVID. And imagine being in direct provision with COVID and everything going on. I mean, the mental health repercussions are enormous. And these women are really, really suffering with their mental health. And that's why Mavis is there to support them. And she's a real pioneer for this movement She's really present with them. They ring her up and they confide in her. She's really, I mean, she's the protector. You know, she's an incredible, incredible woman. And at the moment, we're raising money to have them be able to buy something nice for themselves and go out and look after, like as Mavis says, you know, go out and get a nice bubble bath and or body lotion, something simple that they can just say, these people are rooting for us. These people are knowing that what we're going through and they are with us and they want us to feel better in our in our minds because we're all suffering with our mental health. So I think it's really important that these women have some facilities or some resources and, and some funds to just go out and invest in themselves and do something good for themselves. So at the moment, that's what Mavis is organising, just for them to have a little voucher that they can spend on whatever they wish because they get hittance every week. I mean, they get so little money and a lot of them are raising families and trying to get kids fed and trying to get kids clothed. There's just so many things they have to cover uh, cost-wise that they don't have um, the resources to get something just nice for themselves, to feel good about themselves. So it's great because at the moment, like you say, COVID regulations, it's not just about food, but it's about getting that lovely treat for people, just something that lifts your day, you know, and we all know what that feels like. But as you said, indirect provision where, you know, you're overcrowded, where you're in really difficult situations where you're often traumatized by what you've left behind and all of that, this can really be a lift. I mean, it sounds like an incredible organization. And how did you get involved, Romana? So I got involved through, can I say, I actually listened to an amazing episode of yours, Roisin, with uh, Quiva Butterly, I think her name is, and she was talking about direct provision. And for years, I was going to the Ramsey event, the Refugee and Migrant Solidarity Ireland, who were organising this wonderful event in Dublin, where they were merging people who were uh, from Dublin, but also people in direct provision. And it was brilliant. There was all this food from all over the world and people came together and you could donate and there was music and it was just the best vibes. But unfortunately, with COVID, that's all gone. So I was thinking, what can I do? What am I able to bring to the world? And, you know, what is my work? So my work is yoga. My work is empowering women. My work is making people feel good. And I do that through uh, movement, through meditation, through yoga. Those are my three kind of outlets. And that's what I'm doing with them. And, And I reached out to Mavis because I met Mavis at one of those events. And she has been... Uh, as I said, just such a great inspiration to us all of of um, support of, for these women, for her uh, sisterhood. And I love that. And she's basically saying, you know, I'm here for you. I, I am, I'm here to support my women. I know what it's like. She was living in direct, direct provision before. She lived in direct provision for four years. 
So she knows exactly what it's like. So she, much better than me, would have an idea. And when you have her on, you'll hear all about it. But yeah, she'll have an idea of exactly what these women need. Yeah, no, Mavis Ram- Ramazani, she sounds incredible. And we will be having her on to talk more about it and her own story too. But in the meantime, the event is happening on Monday, 3rd of May at 6pm on Zoom. I have to say, it sounds fantastic. I might even try and uh, pop along myself, Romana, because it really does sound good. It sounds like something that you'd everyone will just feel better after, you know. It's 15 euro. It's going to be yoga for 30 minutes and a workout for 45 minutes. I might skip that bit, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Or you can join one session or both. That's that's right, isn't it? Exactly. You don't have to do both. And people, they don't need much equipment, just a yoga mat or a towel if you don't have a mat and some water, obviously. And I'm going to give people the details. It's an event, bright event. Uh, It's Move to Feel Good is the name of the event. And uh, we're going to post the actual web address on our Insta and on all our socials. And I think the main thing is there's no expectation. It's a safe space. A lot of my uh, yoga my yogis, as I call them, a lot of my beautiful women that take part in my classes say it's such a safe space. I always feel free to express myself and I always feel empowered and relaxed after. So you're bound to feel a little better than when you come in, hopefully. And it's going to be so much fun. It's the bank holiday and we'll all be together. And also you'll get to meet these amazing women yeah. who've been doing yoga with me the last few weeks. So I'm really excited for everyone to come together. Yeah, it's that solidarity that I love about this. You know, there's so many people in Ireland who look on at the direct provision situation and feel so helpless and feel so angry that this is the situation. So it's really brilliant that events like this can bring everybody together. We can hear stories. We can uh, express that solidarity with these women. So I think you're doing a fantastic Fantastic thing. I'll put all the details up and I hope loads of people come. Thank you so much. Thank you, Roshan. I really appreciate it. It's always so good to chat to you. The last time we spoke, Romana, you were in Italy and I don't know what you came back here for. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) you're obviously happy to be here. I love Ireland. Absolutely. But also, I mean, it is really, I think that's what the podcast that I listened to of yours with Quiva did for me. I was just like, I feel so helpless. I just want to do something. And it's really hard to know what to do. Mm. And if we come together, and I think that's what you do so beautifully, Roisin, you bring together all these women and you support them and you're always interested and enthusiastic about the good stuff happening. And I think that's what makes the difference. And thanks to you, we have this connection and, and I don't know, it's just really, really nice to know that there's somebody out there who's looking out for us all. Oh you know, God, like okay. Mavis, you and Mavis yeah. are now I'm going, us all. Now I'm going bright red. I can't put myself in uh, Mavis Ramazani's um, category, but thank you very much for saying that because it is one of the joys of working on this podcast is to get to hear the stories of so many different kinds of people and to try and get other people to care about things as well. And we're always learning here too. So it's brilliant. Exactly. So it's called uh, Move to Feel Good. It's happening on Monday. Romana, I can tell you because I've done some of her workouts, they're actually bearable. They're not annoying. That's what I'll tell you. And she's got such a lovely <laughs> smile on her face. She makes you feel brilliant. So I'll give you a little big you up there, Romana, as well. This is a mutual admiration society on the Women's Podcast. Romana, thank you so much for coming on and we'll talk to you Bye. again. Thank you, soon. Thank Good you luck so with it much. all. Now, lifestyle blogs are ten a penny, but well-informed health blogs are hard to find. Siobhan Freeney's Being Dense is an Irish blog aiming to raise awareness around breast density, a condition that increases the risk of developing cancer. Freeney's blog is informative and well-written, 
promoting awareness of breast density as well as the relevance of supplemental breast screening. This awareness is important because you won't know if you have it and it has nothing to do with breast size or shape. I began by asking Siobhan to explain. Okay, so the first thing I would say is I, I wouldn't want women to be worrying about it. Um, although I, I take your, your point because most women don't know about it. So when it when it comes up in conversation, yeah, I mean, you know, we're all so health aware now that you do tend to worry. But that I just would like to say, first of all, this is not me trying to worry people into doing anything. It's It's about awareness and it's about giving women information that they need to have. Am I surprised that you don't know about it? No, because the number of women who come to, you know, on the blogs that I, I write or any of the seminars that I've gone to or, you know, any of the Irish Cancer Society Awareness, PPI, and they say, gosh, I've never heard of that. And then you talk to researchers. Um, well, in one, in, one, in, in one case, anyway, after a particular seminar, they came to me, two of them. And these ladies had been researching breast tissue, breast cells, breast, you know, everything to do with breast cancer for a number of years that they had never heard of it. You know, you talk to radiographers sometimes and they've never heard of it. Young radiographers, perhaps now, but certainly radiographers who have been working um, in, in the would you call it, I suppose, industry, not all of them, but some of them had been certainly up until um, a few years ago, unaware of what breast density is. OK, Siobhan, we'll get around to the figures in a few minutes because the figures to me were quite astounding. But first of all, tell us, what is it? OK, so a woman's breast is made up of two types of, of tissue. So there's uh, fatty tissue and then there's fiber, kind of, what do they call glandular tissue? So it's fibroglandular tissue. So now, first of all, I have to clarify this by saying I'm not a radiologist, I'm not a radiographer, I'm not a scientist. So I'm a woman who's had breast cancer and I've learned along the way. So, so that's the first thing. So you've, there's two types of, of, of breast tissue. And when your mammogram image is, is, is taken, um, the, density or the dense areas, the glandular tissue will show up as white areas on a quite a dark background. So you know what a, 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 an X-ray looks like. You see the white on the, on the, on the grey or, or charcoal background. So it's a bit like that. And the worrying thing is that if a breast cancer begins to grow and, and they, they, they come in at a teeny, tiny, tiny little kind of star-like formation sometimes, um, the white, they, they come in as white. They start to grow and it shows as white on your mammogram. So that's where the worrying aspect of it comes in, that a white on white has a masking effect. And therefore, breast density, when you have large amounts of breast density, which a lot of women do, then you have a lot of opportunity for a breast cancer to be there and, be, and, and remain unseen. Okay, how common is this, Siobhan? I can't give you figures on how common it is, but I'll refer to figures here that I have. And, and just so as you know, it's, it's a, there it is there. You can see it. It's, it's, a, it's a patient information leaflet yeah. um, that I put together for, um, we, had, we only had one. Um, it would be great if we could organise something again. 
when things get back to normal. But we had a, a, a the first ever Irish breast density um, uh, seminar in the Royal College of Surgeons. And we held that in June 2019. So, so what I'm what I'm talking from now is it was prepared for that, and the scientific references were 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 um, overseen, if you like, by a uh, scientist, a breast biologist and scientist called Wendy Inman in, in Australia. So they're, they're you know that that's what Wendy does. She's been researching um, breast density and breast cancer for a long number of years. So she's a She's a very credible person when it comes to this. But anyway, the figures that I put together was um, they were taken from the January and December 2015 breast screening figures. So the the way my figures came about, so approximately, um, I suppose you could say about 86,000 women, 85, over 85 and a half thousand women aged between 50 and 65, 69 have dense breasts. Now, that, that is based on 43% of the women who are called and attend for their mammogram screening. So it's you have to go on percentages because nobody has a register of this. There isn't, you know, because it's not considered a clinical indicator, then therefore, you know, I, I, I would have, I'd, I mean, I've asked, it would be nice, it would be great if we, if we, had a PhD student perhaps that was prepared to take this on in an Irish context and, and do a study. And I'm hopeful, I'm talking to um, a couple of different um, people about the possibility of doing that, but um, it hasn't happened that I know of. Okay, well, just tell us, what is the risk? So a large amount of people have this. And what are the risks? I mean, in your um, information, Siobhan, you, you, women with the densest breasts are four to six times more likely to develop breast cancer. Yeah, it's it's been proven in in, in research um, uh, that having the highest level of breast density. So let's go back to the, the, the let's go back to the percentages, if you like, for a minute. So if if you take it that forty three percent or approximately forty three percent, say forty to fifty percent of women have dense breasts. Then you look at the different categories. So you've got um, you've got uh, heterogeneously dense, which is category category C, and then extremely dense category D. So we would say that ten percent have extremely dense breasts, and then about thirty, just over thirty percent, maybe thirty five percent, have heterogeneously dense breasts. Now, the other two categories are A and B, so it's A to D. The other two categories are fatty breasts, so that, that's nice fatty tissue that, you know, shows up everything because there's there's very little white in it on the mammogram. And then the next one is scattered fibre glandular. And again, because there isn't so much density there, it's much more easy to read the mammogram. So, so when we're talking about risk, we're talking about the risk of the independent risk of uh, density um, being a prognostic indicator uh, for breast cancer and also the risk related to your breast screening because mammograms don't pick up behind dense tissue. They don't 
always I, I should categorize that sometimes they do but it, you know in a in in a in well, in my in my case, I mean, I'm a perfect example of it. It mine didn't show. It didn't show. You know, there was there was on my on my last screening mammogram, there was a three and a half centimeter tumor um, there that just didn't show. Um, it was particularly, I should say, it was particularly difficult type of tumor to to image as well. But I had never missed a mammogram, Cathy. I had never ever missed. A mammogram, you know, and I had gone always speedily and reported anything that I was in any way concerned about. So, so when I had um, a mammogram, say in June, and and it was reported clear very speedily, and 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 you know, the, I mean, you know yourself, you you get wonderful support there, and you the relief of 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 the that letter coming in the door telling you that it's clear, it's fantastic, and then. In November, I, I had a little concern over some, some, I mean, I don't even know how I spotted it. I still to this day don't know how I spotted it because um, it wasn't a lump that I felt. <laughs> it was, I could see a bit of nipple retraction and it was so tiny that sometimes I could see it and sometimes I couldn't see it. Anyway, I, I went about that and thank goodness I did because, um, you know, I, I I was sent off. I actually said, I don't want a mammogram. I'd like an ultrasound, please. You know, I want to go for a further assessment. Why did you insist on that at the time? Because I'd had a mammogram. And I just thought, if there's anything there, then I need to know. So I had had an ultrasound, say, in my 40s for a cyst. Um, you know, so I knew that that was possible. So and and of course my GP, you know, would have gone along with that and and said she was a. I went particularly went to a woman that evening because I just had a, I just had a sense that something wasn't right. I'd never had, or seen any type of nipple distortion or distraction. But you had no other symptoms, Siobhan. I had had, I suppose, for quite some time, quite some time, and it had been looked at several times. I had had what I would call. Um, an area that was lumpy. Now, th- what 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 I believe that you know you cannot feel breast density, so the lumpiness that I was feeling wasn't necessarily well. It wasn't density, but I was aware that there was an area in my right breast that you know if you tried to or if you, I would have done it all the time, you know, self-check in the shower sometimes. And I'd had that conversation. This area in my right breast, it would have been for me very difficult or impossible, I would say, to feel a small cyst or lump or whatever, because to me it was just an area that I couldn't, you know, I, I well, I couldn't, I could palpate an area that I couldn't, yes. you know, examine, self-examine. So that's, okay. that's really why I asked for the ultrasound. So you were sent for the ultrasound and then what happened? So, I, well, you go for a triple assessment. So I had the ultrasound and uh, then I was asked to, to wait and uh, I was asked to go in and see a surgeon. And of course, you know, you're kind of, oh, that had never happened before. So, um, yeah, we didn't mention cancer, you know, um, we didn't talk about it. I did. Well, I, well I, we talked about it, but we talked around it. So neither of us actually used the word cancer or breast cancer or and I, all I did remember saying to him was, you know, um, uh, did he think it could be benign was the way I put it. And he said, not unless I was lucky enough to have a huge cyst. 
So now the, the word huge came into it. And and that's the way we left it, because obviously the biopsy results had to come in and so on and so forth. So a week later, um, I was given the diagnosis. So, And by then it was node positive. Uh, and by then it was, it had, it had, well, I know now that at the screening, it would have been uh, in or around about three and a half centimetres, but it had grown to, um, well, what they considered five and a half. It actually mm. grew to seven centimetres um, before it was, it was um, surgically removed. Yeah. And I suppose the alarming thing about this, Siobhan, without wanting to worry people, but I think it's no harm to get into the detail here. The alarming thing is the previous June, you'd had a mammogram, which yeah. came back clear. And this was now coming up to Christmas that same year. Yeah. And suddenly you had this sizable. Tumour. Tumour. And your particular breast cancer, Siobhan, is called lobular breast cancer. Yeah. Which is something I hadn't heard of either. No, I hadn't heard of it either. In fact, I picked it up over the phone as globular and I couldn't find anything on globular. But anyway, lobular it is. It's not. It's not. Yeah. I still don't. Yeah, warm to the name. <laughs> I don't know why, but it just, yeah, a lot of people just find it very peculiar. Lobular. Anyway, it comes because um, the cancer is formed in the lobules. So that's where it comes from, lobular, the, the lobules. So the, the milk um, producing part of the breast. Anyway, um, so lobular breast cancer can in itself be extremely difficult to pick up on a mammogram. Now, again, I, I would have had no knowledge of this. This is, this is information I've put together and been told and, and learned over the last um, five, five odd years. So, um, so yeah, so the, there wouldn't have been a huge amount of research into lobular cancer up until maybe four or five years ago. And when I say research, I mean patient Centered, yes. your patient-focused okay. research. Of course, there was huge amounts of research, but nothing for us to actually get our hands on. But what we know, Siobhan, is that it's a slow-growing tumour. Mm-hmm. So it had been there possibly for two to six years. Yeah, it, 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 it had been there for quite some time. And um, I, Kathy, look, I, I have a curiosity, I suppose. And I, I've always been really well informed, I think, about women's health in particular. Um, there was no breast cancer in, the, in my family, but there has been a lot of cancer in my family. So, you know, you just always have that awareness there. You, you, you grow up with it. My mother died when I was 20. My father died when I was 25. So, you know, and, and thankfully, none of my siblings um, have, have had cancer. So, you know, that's great. But to, to yeah, it, like you've just said, when I discovered quite early on, really, that it was a slow-growing cancer. I thought, right, great, we've got this. We've got this early now, so that's that's fantastic. Um, and and I remember saying, look, let's let's do this and let's get it out of the way before Christmas, thinking, of course, of, of, uh, it would be a lumpectomy. But I got a phone call to, in, 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 oddly enough, I was in work, I got a phone call um, to let me know that it wouldn't be a lumpectomy and it would be um, unequivocally was the word used a mastectomy and I would have chemotherapy first so that was a bit of a bombshell as you can imagine but look you know it happens every day I mean it's happening now as we speak to somebody so it's it's not it's 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 when it happens to you of course it just your world stops stand still 
So, um, so then I went on a bit of a mission to try and understand. I just wanted to understand how I could have a slow growing cancer and how I could have had a clear mammogram, as you say, five months earlier. So, so that was where this all began. So I, I, I had, I had a kind of a, the, the curiosity for lobular cancer wasn't satisfied for some time, but I very quickly um, was sent a link by um, a very close friend of mine. She herself had cancer, about, breast cancer about 12, 13 years ago, a different type. And she sent me a link. Um, and then I got a link, the same link through another friend. I was actually, oddly enough, sitting in the hairdressers. I'd had my appointment for my Christmas do. <laughs> and uh, I, I just had cancelled the colour. I just thought there's no point, you know. So I, I just got the cotton. And that's where I was when I was reading about this woman called Nancy Capello. And Nancy um, had, um, Nancy passed away in, in 2019. Um, but anyway, look, she started a what, what is deemed now to be a grassroots advocacy uh, movement in the States. And it was all about breast density because Nancy discovered she had, like me, a stage 3C breast cancer. And it wasn't discovered early enough. She was having yearly mammograms. And when, like me, when she went on this, you know, um, quest to find out how that might happen, um, she was told uh, she had dense breasts. So um, Nancy uh, was from uh, Connecticut and it took five years. I think she started in 2004, but in 2009, um, they had state herself and her husband Joe. Um, they had state uh, legislation passed so that the women of Connecticut would be told, informed about the breast density, so that what happened to Nancy wouldn't happen to other women. You know. So this was a eureka moment for you, Siobhan. I presume you thought this explains everything. Well, I I wasn't sure because. You know, you don't know. I mean, I, I didn't know, but it seemed... No, but it looked... It, but it, everything matched. Yeah, it seemed to fit. Um, and and uh, so that, that was over Christmas. And then, of course, Christmas came and went and, and uh, <laughs> an odd one, as you can imagine. Um, but I, I, she just absolutely... Um, I couldn't get it out of my head, you know. Um, but anyway, I had started chemotherapy. Um, I had to start um, um, towards the end of January. And you, you know that you've just got to get on with that. And I had my husband and kids and friends saying, look, you know, forget about this. Forget about this for now. Just just get go, just get into, you know, the mode of, of getting well and getting over this. Yes. But of course, I just kept at it. And um, I did ask the question. I did go about it. And I did ask, had I got dense breasts? And I was told... Um, that density had had nothing to do with my diagnosis and that I had moderate density. So I took that and I, th I thought, hmm, OK, so it's not high and it's not low. It's somewhere in the middle and it didn't sound to be a problem. So I um, that's that's where we left the density thing. But in February, um, I, I, I was missing work. I was out of work. Um, I had time on my hands. I, I, I wasn't playing golf. I loved golf and I loved tennis and I wasn't playing either of them because it was my right hand um, or my right side rather that was um, um, having a problem. And um, 
I just thought, look, you know, if if not, if somebody in America can do this and start it off, and then uh, I, you know, by then there were ten or eleven states, and and each driven by a woman who had had a late uh, breast cancer diagnosis and had this breast density that I had a moderate amount of. Um, so why why not do it? You know, why why not start an Irish? Um, advocacy and and sure look wouldn't just give me something to do while I was out of work <clears throat> and I was interested so so um, we were sitting around um, the, the the family and and I had a friend staying with me and uh, yeah so then we uh, you know it was it was kind of we were to- almost tongue in cheek really um, but somebody I I think it was uh, my son's girlfriend said why don't you call it being dense and I said being dense I said oh God no because dense People think of dense like you're thick or you're yes, you're a bit yes. stupid, but it yeah it's great I love it and 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 it's been commented on and and look not everybody gets it but when women read about it then they get it well completely and I'm very struck by the fact in in your um, in your information Siobhan, that that. Um, Breast density notification law has been introduced in 24 states in the US with a further 10 states pending. So this is taken very, very seriously in law. Yeah. Um, so, so, so have you had, had difficulty spreading the word or what's been happening in the meantime? OK, so, so those 24 states actually rose to 36 so uh, state uh, legislation was passed in, in 36 states. And at that stage... Uh, Nancy had 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 um, unfortunately passed away, but there is a, a very big organisation in the states, um, densebreastinfo.org, and they had been working away with le- uh, legislation. And the FDA in um, February two thousand and nineteen, the FDA um, passed um, their uh, recommendation. Um, and that is taken very seriously, as you know. So their recommendation is that all women must be made aware of the dense, the, the category of dense tissue that they have. In writing? Yes. And she is also advised to seek further breast screening, such as ultrasound or MRI. Yes. That, that, that would be the, the advice from a radiologist. If, you, if a radiologist tells you that you've got dense breasts um, in an open informed way they would generally follow up with and you need ultrasound and in some cases you may need you may need an MRI yeah okay so so that's so that's that's the big message here is that we all need to know our breast density uh, and we should be told our breast density because of what happened to you Siobhan you ended up having a mastectomy I did yeah now you know lobular is is a is a is one of those lesser known breast cancers and it, it it grows in a very peculiar fashion it doesn't grow like a lump so for women with lobular it's 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 often quite common that you would have to have a mastectomy when you know you're caught at a late stage so again you know i would have gone on to develop breast cancer one way or the other because you know that you can't prevent that from happening obviously but had had i known that I had dense breasts. And actually, Cathy, I had my first mammogram in 2007. And I wasn't actually di- diagnosed. Sorry, I had my first mammogram, beg your pardon, in 2004. 2004. 
Um, but I wasn't actually diagnosed until 2015. Now, there are, there are, I suppose, there's a, a train of thought that um, all young women, it's a, your breast density is, um, it's normal breast tissue. Young women will have dense breasts because it's their biological makeup. And it was thought um, that as women go into their menopause, the density of their breast lessens, you know, so it decreases. And that is Aye. the case. That is the case. So that's that's the scientific part of it. But yes. for 40 odd percent of us, that does not happen. You retain your density. So it's these two higher, higher categories of density, C and D. If you're dense at 50, you're more than likely going to remain dense into your menopause. Now, okay. I think in the past it had been thought that, you know, um, women were less dense over 50. And that may have had something to do with the breast screening age, you know, starting at 50 and not 40. Because, you know, mammograms aren't as effective in dense breast tissue. And women who are 40 are much more likely to have dense breasts. But Siobhan, it, when, when somebody goes for a mammogram, for, for a, a regular routine mammogram, mm -hmm. Say if a 35-year-old decides tomorrow, I'm getting a little bit worried now, I would like to check out the density of my breasts, say, and decides to be referred for a breast X-ray. Is it easy to tell what your density is? Is, is, that, is that part of, of, of what they do? Um, if, if you... Okay, so, so there's two different types of, of, of mammogram. Um, and, and again, I wouldn't have been aware of this. Um, I had attended... A, a, a breast screening facility in, in, in uh, you know, in a Dublin hospital um, for queries on, on my right breast um, throughout my, I suppose, 40s. And, and, and that was because I decided, because I had, I was lucky enough to have private health insurance, so I could have a mammogram, just exactly as you're describing there. You know, I could have a mammogram, I could kind of tick that box and I'd have a, what I felt would be a baseline you know, and then you, you could compare with, with that. Um, now, I didn't know anything about density, so I didn't ask. Um, and nor did I receive a copy of any radiology report um, because those are, are shared between the facility and your GP. So they don't go to the woman. So is the GP told then routinely what your breast density is? No, no, no. Okay. Now, if you are attending a diagnostic um, facility, so that would be if you're going to a hospital to have a, you know, if you've got a symptom, you go for a diagnostic mammogram and then you hit 50 and you go to breast check. And breast check, as, as you know, is a wonderful, wonderful program. It saves many lives. Unfortunately, if you have dense breasts, it's not reported to you. It's not routinely reported to you. Um, and if you're not aware of it, you don't ask about it clearly because you, you don't know. But Siobhan, is it, is it routinely tested for? Um, is, is, is it part of, what, of the findings of a regular mammogram? Yeah. Is it the, what I'm trying to discern here is whether it's something that could be reported on quite easily. Okay, so in 2019, we had we had this um, um, seminar in the in the Royal College of Surgeons, as I, as I said, and we were lucky enough to have um, 
a radiologist from uh, British Columbia. She's an extremely well-known um, uh, radiologist called Dr. Paula Gordon. So Paula is an expert on breast density. She talks about it. She, she gave us a day and a half of her holiday. Her husband and herself were in Belfast. She came down. Um, and I was very lucky to have the support of um, the Breast Predict program. So um, that was a five-year uh, research program. And um, Professor William Gallagher from UCD, who's, uh, you know, had a wonderful team and they were so, so, so supportive. So just a shout out to them. But anyway, Paula, Paula's take on it was this, that, you know, as a radiologist, you can tell more or less at a glance is what she said, more or less as a glance, as a trained radiologist. And and it's it's like I say to you, Kathy. I'm once I knew what I was looking for, um, I could see that my my that you know my mammogram. I have an I have it on image was extremely dense. There was no question whatsoever about the level of density. I was definitely. Okay. So, Siobhan, the answer is that actually it is very easy to, to read yeah. in, in a routine mammogram. Yes. It's and is it then up to us to ask? Well, it sh I don't believe it should be up to us to ask. No, but for the moment, yes. now, that, now that you're making a very, very successful uh, speech on advocating for this, let's just begin baby steps. So any woman can say to a radiologist, um, what is the story with my breast density here? I would advise all women to ask what their breast density is. Now, that doesn't guarantee that you'll get the answer, you know, because I'm I'm just, funnily enough, Cathy, I'm just compiling um, some answers from women because, I mean, I know the answers I got, but it, it's interesting, the, 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 the variation in, in what you'll be told now, in some cases, you are told, you are given, you are told what your breast density is. I was talking to a woman only the other day. Um, she, uh, yeah, anyway, look, um, she she has had her diagnosis. And that's the unfortunate thing. Most of most of the women who find out about it only find out about it after they're diagnosed. You know, yes, you need yes, to be finding yes. out about it before you're diagnosed. So what you're doing, Siobhan, very effectively is making people aware that this is a question that they must be aware of yes. and ask about. Yes. And that it's not, you're not asking for something sort of, sort of otherworldly. This is already accounted for in the United States yeah. where you should be notified by law in writing yes, about your breast density. So we're not asking for something unusual here. No, absolutely not. No. And Siobhan, you've been, you've been making, um, you have really become a, a full-time advocate on this and you're almost alone. Yeah, I, 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 I have been, I suppose, a bit of a, a voice out there in the, in the wilderness. As I said, sometimes it's funny, you know, there are days when I've woken up and thought, Christ, what am I doing? And people must be sick to the teeth of me, banging on about this, you know. And, and of course, there's no resources behind it. And, you know, the leaflet, you, you, you just put a shout out for help. I had to get permission to use a radiological image because I didn't have any. And... Um, and yeah, I mean, I would like, I would like, after, after the seminar, I had great, I suppose, high hopes, high hopes that, I mean, we, we had breast check, we had a, a senior radiologist from breast check there, we had an Irish epidemiologist there, 
we had, um, you know, we had four very well-educated women on, on the panel. We had over 100 women in the audience. We had a very educated audience. Um, and, and we had a wonderful, healthy, open conversation in relation to mammographic breast density. And we know that the mammogram for population screening is the best tool available. You know, we know that it's considered a gold standard. And, and you know, it, it works so well for women who don't have dense breasts. But unfortunately, it's not a good enough tool. It may be all that's available, but it's not good enough. And all I am asking for here, I know that we're, we're you know, resources. I know that, you know, you just can't open the doors and, and, and give, you know, all these additional women ultrasounds and, uh, you know. But all I'm saying is tell women, give them the information, tell them at their first mammogram, you know, that at the, it, it might be advisable to, to um, you know, to, to look at having a mammogram and, and they, maybe they can go into a diagnostic setting to have that done, you know, if, if breast check can't mandate for it. But I think what can be mandated for and what should be is a standardised notification uh, protocol. So wherever you go, regardless of whatever your age, you are told what your breast density category is. Which makes perfect sense. I mean, I know, for example, Siobhan, you've met, um, you've met with the Oireachtas Women's Caucus, mm -hmm. who apparently were very open-eared about it. And, and uh, uh, Fiona Lachlan was com commenting afterwards about how important this is. Do you feel then that you're making some, you're making ground? Yeah, I do. Um, I think there were many times, like I said, where you, you just think, oh, look, I'm getting nowhere. And then something happens. And, and it, it, you know, it, it eggs you on. I'm, I'm quite determined about it. I feel really, really strongly about it, really strongly about it. Um, and I think, you know, in it, 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 I remember saying the other day, do you know, if I had been given the answers or been able to find the information easily when I was looking for it six years ago, I, I would never have got involved in patient advocacy. You know, I just wouldn't. But it, it was the lack of information that kind of, you know, steered me into it. And the, the amount of pushback that there is in relation to this. You know, Cathy, if you go for your mammogram next week and you say, um, can you tell me what my breast density is? You, you may be told. You may be. Um, or, you, you know, you might be told, oh, we don't do that here. Or why are you asking? Or we don't want you to worry about that. Or, um, you know, You've been. You've, you know, did you read about that online, or, um, or you you know you have um, you might you might be told you've got moderate density. Moderate density tells you nothing. There there, yes. there is. I'm going to look over here because I have I have it written down because I have a a bit of a where it's the BIRADS. Yeah. So it's the breast imaging reporting and data system. So that's what's um, the recognised system. It's recognised. Um, by the American um, Cancer uh, um, Radi Radiological Society. So that is how radiologists assess the category of breast density that you have. Now, you know, it, 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 it's, it's something that they say they do not do. 
in population breast screening. And, and OK, so be it. And we have to accept that because I can't change that. But when you know that it's, it's so obvious, you know, and when your mammogram is being read, that you, you I mean, there should be some way of, of, of putting you on a not high alert, but just alerting you to the possibility of, 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 of this happening. Well, Siobhan, the more we talk, the more I am convinced that that should be the case. Yeah. Now, I, I suppose what I'd like people to do is read what you have to say on your website and make up their own minds on the basis of the figures you have on there, which are, to me, are quite persuasive. Um, and also bear in mind that you have been meeting with people who are supremely well qualified and who are in this with you. Um, so um, it seems to me that people really need to inform themselves and act on the information that you are willing to provide and have <laughs> have exhausted yourself providing, I suspect. What's the best way of people getting to this information? There's a number of, of websites globally, but if you want to look at what's happening in the Irish context, then it's www.beingdense.com. So um, I'm on Twitter um, and uh, it's very easy to find me on Twitter and um, that's at breast dense. Um, and I also have started up a patient advocacy for lobular breast cancer. So we have a, 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 a band of lobsters, <laughs> and, uh, which has really proven extremely helpful for women in Ireland. Well, I think that's all very clear, Siobhan. Um, and like you say, we don't want people to be unduly worried. But it is as always, raising awareness and always going through your GP. Yeah, um, absolutely. But advocating for yourself as well, as you are advocating for yourself and for many others. Siobhan Freeney, thank you so much and thank you for the hard work. Thanks, and uh, we may talk again. Well, now, that was informative, wasn't it? And that's all for today. Thanks to our guests, Siobhan Freeney and Romina Testaseca. The podcast is produced by Roisin Ingle, Jennifer Ryan and Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound. Remember, you can get in touch with us on social at IT Women's Podcast or email us with suggestions of issues you'd like to see us covering on the women's podcast at irishtimes.com. Mind yourselves and I will talk to you next time. National Concert Hall is delighted to announce its new concert season for 24-25, featuring over 60 concerts by world-class artists. Enjoy the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra with Sir Simon Rattle, our very own National Symphony Orchestra and guests, opera favourites with Tara Erocht, cutting-edge music with Bryce Desner, family concerts and lots more. Your music, your National Concert Hall. Book now. Package discounts available. cnch.ie Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. 
Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus.